Welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. The purpose of our podcast is to inspire you with stories and wisdom learned from people who are out there killing it. People who at some point in their life gave themselves permission to succeed. Now, onto the show with your hosts, Matt Halloran and Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the, the Permission to Succeed podcast. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who found that point in their lives to throw all caution aside and just go for it. They gave themselves permission to be special and also help those around them succeed as well. And our guest today is absolutely killing it out there and has been for a while. Please welcome Tom Gatto, who's Director of Strategic Relationships for Artivest. Thanks for having me. How you doing? It's, we're in Austin. How's yes, Austin? It's going great. Yeah, I haven't been here before, so really nice to be here. What do you think? It's it's bustling. I hear a hundred new people a day move to Austin. Absolutely, yeah, and I can understand why. <laughs> so you've had a very storied career. You were trained as an advisor by Merrill, and then you spent some time at Prudential. So let's let's start on your career path a little bit there. Okay. How interesting was that training, and how was a, a great formation for moving on to what you're doing now? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a financial advisor, uh, even uh, before college. So uh, after college, I uh, went to Merrill as an assistant to one of the larger producers in Manhattan, which I thought was a great starting ground. I actually started the week before the 87 crash. So uh, <laughs> when that oh happened, gosh. I wasn't sure it was going to work, <laughs> but uh, persevered through, went through their training. At that time, was three weeks at a campus where they really delved into uh, quite a few different topics that served me well. Started to build my book, uh, went over to Prudential, uh, where they were opening a flagship office in Greenwich, Connecticut. But something didn't feel right to me. I wanted to teach. I thought I might be better off serve teaching advisors on how to help their clients. So that's when I made the move over to the uh, sell side for uh, one of the larger asset management firms. And, and who was that? And uh, what were you doing? Oppenheimer Capital. So they had uh, a few different strategies for advisors. But instead of selling product, I've always been interested in helping. So I always try to do some consultative selling. So I just think that most salespeople, even today, uh, come in with, here. here's my great product. It's five stars or what have you but don't really get an understanding of the advisor and what their practice is all about. So I made it a point to do that. So I became a trusted advisor to trusted advisors, if you will. So I built that over time where they gave me a territory, took time to penetrate the territory, but then ended up doing well and then going to various firms uh, from there, such as uh, when PIMCO bought us, I went over there for a bit and then recruited the BlackRock in 03, believe it or not, uh, where they were a third tier firm and then tried to uh, you know, help them get up and running on the retail side. That's great. So what have you learned how advisors are changing since you were an advisor over the years? Yeah, uh, quite dramatically. So when I started, it was mostly commission-based. Try to find a stock that made sense, go out and just sell the stock because it was a good story and really um, not be too concerned about the overall health of the uh, client. So uh, financially, of course. That's changed, obviously. So now we've gone from commission-based to fee-based to more of a holistic approach, which I think makes much more sense. So much more on the planning side, putting yourself on the same side of the table as the client. So uh, if they do well, you do well. And how has technology been a factor 
from, you know, gosh, way back when we were in the 80s to now, and then we'll get into what you're doing now, which is a huge technology deal. Yeah, so technology has helped dramatically in, in various ways, whether it's just simple planning software, you know, these robo-advisors are coming about, so that's great for the millennials. I think that, uh, you know, what we're doing on the tech side for alternatives, and we can get into that, is, is a tremendous boon for the uh, independent advisor as well. And I th- just think that's going to continue. So the more time that an advisor can spend with their client versus having to do the low value stuff, I think makes a lot, a lot of sense. So let's talk about what you're doing now. Sure. What's going on at Artivest? So we are a technology platform, driven platform, um, which connects advisors and their clients to leading private equity uh, hedge funds, real estate funds at reduced minimums. So what we're offering with one login, an advisor or client can look at the strategies that we have online. We're currently about 25, uh, whether they're the big names that you know or more niche strategies. Uh, one can invest right online just by clicking a button. We put all the documents there. And then we provide a portal. So we take care of the reporting, the K-1s, capital calls if it's a drawdown structure. And, and really what that does, it just allows for a much more seamless experience for the client and advisor. Because historically, investing in private funds has been very uh, tedious with all that paperwork back and forth. And it just was not a good experience. So if you think about an advisor's book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, three to five percent might be an alternative. So if it's not easy for them to do this, they're not going to do it. Right. So we've made it much easier for them. So what we're providing uh, is access right to managers that they probably couldn't get to. A lot of these are five and ten million dollar minimums. We're typically doing them for two hundred and fifty thousand. Again, we're making it much easier for them administratively. So that's very important. And I think also just as important is we're now allowing them to compete against the private banks. So these independent advisors whose clients may have gone to you know a Morgan or Merrill to get these private cl- uh, private assets can now compete. That makes a big difference. So not only can they take in existing assets from clients, but they can now go after and prospect larger clients as well. So it's a win for everybody. Is there an education aspect to what you guys are doing as well? Absolutely. So it's still early stages. A lot of these advisors are not up to speed in the alternative space, certainly not their fault. So we're spending a lot of time on white papers, one-on-ones. You know, we have great relationships with the managers, so we make sure um, that they get a great understanding of what the product is. And our diligence team which has been diligencing funds for 16 or so years, does a great job. So these advisors can be assured that these are all diligence strategies. So you're a self-proclaimed alt nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What is it about alternatives that are attractive and why should advisors have them in their portfolio? So the way they can do that is using a platform like Artivest, where typically they wouldn't have access to these managers. They can now sign in and once they're approved, um, they can view the strategy. So uh, we put on a fair amount of marketing information for these advisors. So they get a good sense of of what the strategy is about. If they'd like to dive in deeper, we certainly can get on the phone with them. Uh, as I had mentioned before, we have great relationships with the manager, so we can also uh, get them in touch with the manager directly. So once they're comfortable, again, everything's done online, the subdocs, uh, PPMs, LPA, everything is there for the advisor and the client. Uh, we use DocuSign, they can just click on that and a client can literally be on their boat and uh, approving the documents. So it makes, again, for a much better experience. Yeah, so this is the Permission to Succeed podcast and we like to dive into how you became you and um, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Darien, Connecticut. 
Jeez, and what are your memories about that time? So it was different. I uh, My parents were off the boat from uh, Italy, came over. My dad came over with my older brother in 1950. My mom followed about 18 months later. A typical story, $20 in my dad's pocket. Uh, there was some family here. He built a very successful uh, custom tailor shop in Stamford, Connecticut. So I've always had that entrepreneurial kind of drive in me, just seeing him busting his butt for six days a week putting uh, three boys through college. It's, it was interesting. So uh, Darien is a quite a Tony town. <laughs> and I was not that type. I was not the country club kid. But it was a great experience. And what are your memories of, of that? And what, what, what in your father or mother helped instill this drive in you that you have today? Yeah, so it's uh, just doing the best they could with what they had and never giving up. So uh, they barely spoke English for a bit. Uh, I didn't come around till the mid-60s, but you know I could tell they had a tough time uh, when they first got here. But by persevering, certainly trying to make a better life for their kids, you know, really instilled a lot of uh, pride in, in myself. So I've always try to do the best I can no matter what I'm doing. And I think that's important for people to do. Did you work with him when you were a kid or did you have other jobs? I didn't. I thought it wasn't cool to be doing that. I uh -huh. kind of wish I, I did. Uh, I did go uh, watch him. He would spend literally an hour or two just on one sleeve of a suit with a 20-pound iron just to get it right. So it was really attention to detail. And again, the pride of the uh, you know end product he would put out to his to his clients, he had very successful you know chairman of Xerox, chairman of American Can back then, so really high end clients. So I, I took a lot of that away. It's really the pride factor, and again, always doing the best you can. During that time, who publicly who publicly did you um, admire and kind of glean onto as somebody who influenced you? Yeah, so it was really him. Uh, I didn't really have any public figures at that time. You know, I, I had some friends as I was growing up uh, a little later on, nothing really in the childhood, but that became successful, whether it uh, was successful financial advisor, a little older than me, uh, very high net worth folks that were in hedge funds uh, that I had gotten to meet. Uh, they played some influence. And even my younger brother, who has Down syndrome, who I'm now guardian for, played a huge role. It was always that he was, uh, 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 you know, never sad or angry, always in a good mood, and just took the little things as a positive, and I take a lot from that as well. So what led you to financial services? Was it something that happened in college? Was it a... Yeah, I was interested in the stock market, yes. So back uh, we, we in high school, we had a team uh, in, in a class where we would pick stocks and try to have the best return for the for the semester. That that was interesting to me. Again, in college, uh, I was started actually as a pre-med major, switched to economics, so finished that up and doing the same thing. So whether it was money and banking or economics or a, a class on uh, equities, very interesting to me. So can you remember a time that you were up against it or were unsure of the future where you had to look at yourself in the mirror and, and decide that you were going to give your, yourself permission to just go for it and, and try to succeed at it? Sure. So I was doing well at Merrill. And uh, four years in, as I had mentioned, uh, Prudential opened up a flagship office in Greenwich. I was really interested in getting down there. And at the time firms didn't really want you to move offices within the same firm. So 
I went to Prudential, but during that time they were having some issues with, uh, yeah, but, so they were having internal issues and I ended up losing a fair amount of clients uh, because they were worried that Prudential might not be in business. So I had to rebuild. It was fine, but going slower than I had hoped. I had uh, issues uh, with my father who was uh, sick and uh, so things were tough. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't producing much, I lost a lot of my business, but started to grow it back, but wasn't sure I would succeed. I ended up succeeding, but uh, I took a different path after four years there by going on to the asset management side, but it was uh, certainly touch and go for a bit. And what were some of the obstacles, the personal obstacles that you had to overcome? Yeah, so... Uh- they were both, you know, a fair amount of the obstacles was just financially, right? Learning a lot less than I had been because, again, losing a lot of your clients until you could rebuild that, that hurt me. Uh, certainly uh, having family issues with my bad, dad being sick was certainly stressful, took up a lot of my time as well. I actually moved back into the house. Um, so if you just combine all those things, the stress factors were, were pretty high. But again, you just have to keep going. Yeah. What kind of support did you have during that time? So I had some uh, good support from uh, the family, although they were certainly more focused on my dad. Uh, I was just uh, about to get married, so that was helpful, but still, uh, mostly internal. Is this something that happens throughout your life and, and, as you know, people that you continually have to persevere through obstacles and and do you get better at that as you get older or less fearful or what do you think yeah no doubt so i i I think if you don't take chances in life you're not going to have any issues right just because you're you're just boring and you're just going along and that's fine for some people but unless you're taking chances you're not going to grow so all the folks i know that are very successful uh, have been kicked in the teeth right and i use that uh, as a good thing because i certainly have been and unless you face uh diversity and um you know a setback that's how you grow right so you learn from that you have to take it as a positive uh certainly your first reaction is to be a victim and wow why did this happen to me um but you have to get out of that quickly so i think the more you go through that the stronger you do become and then less faces you so i've i've been faced with uh several factors from um you know, my mom being diagnosed with two months to live, uh, having my brother with Downs, now having to take care of him, you know, getting let go from a great uh, position that you thought you were doing great in, uh, whether it's through the Great Recession or what have you. Uh, but you always learn. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, so your brother has, has Downs. Yes. What's, how's that? And what have you learned from him? My yeah. God. So it's good. You know, growing up was a little tough. He's 20 months younger than I am. So I didn't have that uh, younger buddy brother, right? So, uh, but certainly took, took good care of him where I could. Again, I've learned uh, through the Special Olympics and with him that it's, it's all about the journey. Always try to be positive and they seem to always be in a good mood, which to me is very important. So very little gets to them. I think uh, we built, uh, we were faced with some diversity. Uh, six families got together in Darien. We built a group home for uh, six uh, folks with special needs, which was a great experience. Yeah. I'm now president of that board, so that works out great. And it's just giving back as well, which is very satisfying. So what's success to you? Success is, that's a great question. To me personally, it's, uh, you know, just being respected being uh, someone that has done the best that they could with what they have and being able to put your head on the pillow at night without having any issues. How do you sustain that? 
throughout, throughout a lifetime? I think you want to uh, try to have different goals throughout various stages of your life. So whether it's early on where you're trying to save for a house, uh, whether it's trying to pass a certain exam uh, within your industry, you're always, I, I have a tremendous amount of intellectual curiosity, so I'm always trying to better myself. So I'm even taking exams that I don't need just, just so I can learn. Uh, which is kind of silly, but it does help. So I just think it's it's having goals throughout your life that you are trying to strive for something. And whether you hit it or not uh, is not really the issue. It's it's just uh, learning on the journey. So I know you're really excited about Artivest yes. and where that's going. Well, how about the whole industry? Are you excited about where the industry's going? Are you concerned about it? I am excited. I do think that from my perspective and what we're doing on the alternative side is certainly is growing. I, I think that more advisors, as they learn about alternatives, realize that they can play a significant role in a, in a client's portfolio. So I'm really excited about that and being able to help advisors achieve their goals, more importantly, their, their clients' goals. So I'm happy about that. I do think that um, a concern is that there seem to be less newer advisors coming into the business. So I think as uh, the years continue, more of the uh, population of advisors is aging. So I'd like to see some new blood come in uh, because that's important to me. Um, That's great. What advice would you have for somebody who's up against the wall and um, is struggling, an entrepreneur who doesn't know if they're going to make it, um, with all your experience, what would you tell them? I would tell them that they uh, it would be helpful to find someone that has done what you're trying to do and emulate them. See if you can uh, you know, grab a coffee and, and learn from them, but also try to provide some value add to them because you don't want to just make it one-sided. So I do think that's important. Also really sitting down and, and making sure you want to do uh, what you think you want to do and uh, we'll do anything you can to to get there because a lot of people think they want to do something but then they won't put the effort into it so that's that's where the uh, issues come into play that's good advice um if somebody wants to get in contact with you how do they do that you could email me at tom at artivest.co so tom at a-r-t-i-v-e-s-t.co not dot com and, and if- happy to help and if they want to visit Artivest, where do they go to do that? So uh, Artivest.co is the website. Um, and again, uh, happy to help anyone uh, personally, professionally. I think uh, giving back is, is very important. Tom, it's been great having you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Um, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please make sure you click that subscribe button below. That way, when we get a great guest like this, you'll get a notification directly to your listening device. And for everybody at iris.xyz and the Permission to Succeed production staff, this is Doug Heikinen. Thank you for joining us.